Hi friends, I'm Ron Longwell, and I'm glad you're here today for episode 7 of the Jesus Society podcast, an ongoing conversation about relationship, renewal, and purpose in the kingdom of God. Today is Monday, April 6th, or at least it will be when you're listening to this. Um, I actually recorded the episode you're about to hear uh, a few weeks ago, had it all ready to drop last week, and then I uh, decided kind of at the last minute to put it off uh, a week and do something uh, a little more pastoral uh, to try to address some of the, the growing fear and uncertainty uh, you may be experiencing due to the coronavirus. Uh, the report came out that there were there's over 3 million people um, that filed for unemployment, um, mostly related to this. Um, and I know some people personally who um, are, are struggling with loss of income and, and some of those things and, and really trying to sort out, uh, you know, what's going to happen and, and all those things. There's a lot of fear and a lot of uncertainty and a lot of um, anxiety uh, about some of that. So I wanted to take an episode and kind of kind of try to speak into that a little bit and address some things that I, I, hope, I hope was helpful. Um, but if you didn't get a chance to listen to that um, last week and you feel that it might be something you want to hear, um, I, I would encourage you to go back and listen to episode six, uh, which would have aired Monday, uh, March 30th. Okay, moving on. Today we're going to uh, continue to unpack the story of the Bible and the kingdom of God. And again, we're, we're painting in broad strokes here, okay? Um, but I think it's helpful to see the big picture uh, of all this and how, how, this, uh, how this works. I got some, uh, some real encouragement uh, this week from, uh, from a listener. And so I know that it, for at least one of you, <laughs> this is pro- proving somewhat helpful. So I hope it is um, for the rest of you as well. So we've, we've seen what Israel is supposed to be in the world a people that would function in the world as a kingdom of priests, uh, mediating God's blessing to the world and showing them what life in a community of people under the reign of God looks like, how it affects our relationships with one another and with him. Okay. Sadly, Israel didn't always do that as well as they could have. They repeatedly became self-focused. They lost their focus on God. Uh, They became unfaithful. They worshiped other gods. They oppressed uh, the most vulnerable people among them. Um, And they just didn't always cast a good reflection of God uh, to the world. But God hadn't given up on Israel. He was about to renew and transform Israel, restoring them not to what they were, but they were to what they were always supposed to be, so that they could fulfill their destiny. And the Jews in Jesus' day were expecting it. Okay? They were expecting a, a restoration of Israel that the Messiah would inaugurate. Now, this idea of the restoration of Israel, this is something that biblical scholars have noticed and discussed for a long time. It's, it's pretty prominent in the, uh, in the Old Testament, particularly in the prophets. Um, by the time Jesus arrived, messianic fervor was, was so thick in the culture you could almost taste it. Okay? And there were some specific things that the Jews knew would be major parts 
of the restoration of Israel and the, 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 the institution of the Messianic kingdom, okay? Because these things show up over and over again uh, throughout the Old Testament, particularly in the prophets. So what are these things? So there's, a, there's about six of them, okay? Six sort of pieces to the puzzle that are all going to kind of uh, show up and converge um, in this in this time, this, this messianic age, okay, that they're looking for, okay? So one is, and I'm going to just list them for you, and then I'm going to show you a passage that, that has all six of them right there, okay? So one is that the Holy Spirit would be present. Now, the Holy Spirit was not something that was a, 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 a wide, a, um, let's see, how do I want to say this? It was not something, it was not a concept that in Israel was a really, really developed concept. They didn't have a deep, deep understanding of the Holy Spirit. Um, certainly God had mentioned His Spirit before, but it wasn't, it wasn't a concept that they had really thought about a lot, okay? Not, not like they would afterward, not like Christians certainly would. Um, okay, so the Holy Spirit's going to be present. Uh, there's going to be a Davidic king, a, a, a king, uh, an heir of David, who will be a king for Israel, right? Um, all 12 tribes of Israel will be represented in this messianic kingdom. Um, you will have uh, Jews from uh, what scholars call the diaspora, okay? it's In, in other words, um, by Jesus' day, there were Jews living in all parts of the world, at least the known world at the time. Um, there's going to be, in this Messianic kingdom, there's going to be kind of a gathering together of Jews from all parts of the world, kind of a, a reunification of Israel, okay? Um, there's a strong connection to uh, Zion or Jerusalem. Uh, the term Zion is often used in the Old Testament as basically a synonym um, for Jerusalem or sometimes for Israel as a whole, Okay, and there's a lot we could say about Zion, but I'm not going to get into all that. And then finally, the sixth piece of this is that there's going to be, at some level, a testimony to Gentiles. Okay, so Holy Spirit, Davidic King, all twelve tribes of Israel will be will be represented. Um, a, a gathering together of Jews from all over the world. Um, a, a strong connection to Zion or Jerusalem. Um, and then uh, a testimony to the Gentiles, okay? And these six things show up in a lot of Messianic passages uh, throughout the prophets. And I'm going to show you just one because it's a nice, neat passage that has them all in there. Some of the, some of the places you see this, they'll mention, mention one or two or three or four, but, but not all of them. Um, but they're but they're all there, okay? So, but this one, so Isaiah chapter eleven, uh, verses one through thirteen, okay, is a nice, neat messianic passage because it has all this stuff in there, okay? So I'm going to read it. It's thirteen verses. So um, I, again, if you've got your Bible, um, pause this, get your Bible, and if you can um, read along, I think that would be helpful. If not, I'll just read it, and uh, you can listen to it while you're driving to work, or while well, you're not driving to work now, probably. Um, so, uh, Isaiah 11, 1 through 13. And I'm just going to read it, and then we'll, I'll, we'll come back and we'll kind of point out where some of these themes are in this. So, uh, Isaiah 11, verse 1. 
Then a shoot will grow from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and strength, a spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight will be in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes. He will not execute justice by what he hears with his ears, but he will judge the poor righteously and execute justice for the oppressed of the land. He will strike the land with a scepter from his mouth, and he will kill the wicked with a command from his lips. Righteousness will be a belt around his hips. Faithfulness will be a belt around his waist. The wolf will dwell with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf, the young lion, and the fattened calf will be together, and a child will lead them. The cow and the bear will graze their young ones. Um, Sorry, the cow and the bear will graze, their young ones will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like cattle. An infant will play beside the cobra's pit, and a toddler will put his hand into a snake's den. They will not harm or destroy each other on my entire holy mountain, for the land will be as full of the knowledge of the Lord as the sea is filled with water. On that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the people's, The nations will look to him for guidance, and his resting place will be glorious. On that day, the Lord will extend his hand a second time to recover the remnant of his people who survive. From Assyria, Egypt, Pathros, Cush, Elam, Shinar, Hamath, and the coasts of the islands of the west, he will lift up a banner for the nations and gather the dispersed of Israel. He will collect the scattered of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Ephraim's envy will cease. Judah's harassing will end. Ephraim will no longer be envious of Judah, and Judah will not harass Ephraim. Now, there's more to this uh, passage. I've almost read the whole chapter, Um, but but you get the gist, right? Um, So all of these themes are in there. This is a very well-known messianic passage. So um, you have this Davidic heir, this this um, the king of in the line of David, mentioned in verse one. Uh, it says that um, a shoot will grow from the stump of Jesse. Well, Jesse, if you remember, was David, was King David's father. Okay, so anytime you see Jesse mentioned, it's it's a particularly the stump of Jesse or the shoot of Jesse. Um, it's talking about David. Okay. And this was written well after David, so it's not actually talking about David. It's talking about a, an heir of David, okay? Um, verse 2 in all this, the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. So there's the Holy Spirit, right? Um, down in verse 9, um, it says, They will not harm or destroy each other on my entire holy mountain. The holy mountain is Mount Zion in Jerusalem, okay? So there's the Zion um, the Zion theme, okay? Um, in verse 10, uh, on that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations, the nations will look to him for guidance. That's Gentiles, right? Uh, the testimony to Gentiles. Uh, in verses 11, 12, uh, 11 and 12, it says, um, the Lord will extend his hand a second time to recover the remnant of his people who survive, and then he lists all these nations where 
uh, where his people live. So that's that's this, the the Jews from the the diaspora. Okay, um, people from all over the place, Jews from all over the place, are going to be gathered together. Okay, and then in verse thirteen, um, again, kind of the same thing. Um, it mentions Ephraim's envy will cease, Judah's harassing will end, um, and, it, and it mentions Ephraim and Judah. Ephraim and Judah. That's kind of a, a, a code for um, Ephraim is is a kind of a code for the northern part of Israel. Uh, Judah is kind of a code for the southern part of Israel. Uh, it refers back to the the divided kingdom when Israel was a divided kingdom in the days uh, of Solomon or the days after the death of Solomon. The point is, God is getting the band back together, so to speak, uh, bringing all His people together again, and. Again, Gentiles, the nations, they're coming along too, okay? So Isaiah chapter 11 shows us kind of all nice and neat in one place all of these themes um, related to the restoration of Israel. You can also see these pretty well in um, Ezekiel chapter 37, uh, which is the, the uh, Valley of the Dry Bones, that, that passage, that, that story, that, um, that part of the prophets there. And there are a bunch of other texts um, throughout the Old Testament that will mention just some of these or just a few of them or maybe just one, okay? Uh, in the New Testament, Peter and Paul will quote a number uh, of other Old Testament uh, passages that bring some of these things to light, okay? And you also see these things in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, when Peter will quote from Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 32, and Peter will use that passage in Joel, and this is, this is a, that's a passage filled with a, a lot of um, what we call apocalyptic language, okay? It's, it'll talk about blood and fire and a cloud of smoke coming, and the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood, th- those sorts of things that, uh, you know, those are not things we that resonate too much with us in you know the western world in the 21st century right but those apocalyptic language was pretty common okay it's not it's not literal stuff right it's it's symbolic okay um but peter will use that passage in joel chapter 2 and he he will say what 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 the reason he's using that that Joel passage in Acts chapter two in his sermon Peter will basically be saying that the Old Testament is the paradigm to understand what is happening on the day of Pentecost. Okay, um, he'll say this this because people people are going to be asking Peter right everybody's speaking in tongues and they're doing all this stuff that n- nobody's unsure what's going on and some people in the crowd will will look up at the apostles and say they're drunk right and Peter says no we're not drunk as you as you suppose rather this 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 event these circumstances this thing that's going on that you're all witnesses of here this is what Joel was talking about and then he'll quote that that passage in Joel, okay? And again, we see all these restoration of Israel things materialize in Acts chapter 2 and the day of Pentecost. So we see the Holy Spirit show up, right? The tongues as a fire, right? Um, Peter will talk about Jesus as the heir of David's throne, okay? 
Uh, incidentally, Paul will say the same thing in his sermon in Acts 13. Okay, um, We see the 12 tribes represented by the apostles as kind of the authority figures here, right? Um, we see the Jews from the diaspora showing up in Jerusalem uh, from all over the place, from every nation under heaven, we're told. It takes place in Jerusalem, in Zion, okay? And just a few chapters later, in Acts chapter 10, Peter will be the first one to take the good news to the Gentiles. And so there will, there will be, in the, in the very earliest days of the church, testimony to Gentiles, Okay, an invitation to the Gentiles, by instigated by God, that they're part of this too. Okay, now I want to take a minute here. I want to pause and I want to make a really, really important point. Okay, so this is the this is the part where you should be sitting on the edge of your seat. Okay, what has happened a lot throughout church history is that many people have kind of looked at Pentecost in Acts chapter two. And they have seen it um, as the end of Judaism and the beginning of Christianity. Okay, uh, a lot of you may have been raised with the idea that um, you know it, Israel was God's chosen people until Christianity, and then God sort of washed His hands of Israel, and now He's got Christians as His chosen people. Right, um, folks? Nothing could be further from the truth of Scripture. Okay, seeing it that way implies that there is a discontinuity between the Judaism of the Old Testament and Christianity of the New Testament. Sometimes, sometimes we see discontinuity between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So you have some people who who want to say, "Well, the Old Testament doesn't matter anymore." Okay, we're New Testament Christians. We'll say, and I want to say that is wrong-headed to the core. Okay. Um, Judaism and Christianity are not two completely different things like you might think. The, it, it, there's, there's not this discontinuity between Judaism and Christianity, between Old Testament and New Testament, okay? The whole idea of the restoration of Israel that we've seen emphasizes continuity, not discontinuity. So Christianity is not the end of Judaism. It is the fulfillment of Judaism. Okay? Peter, on the day of Pentecost, quotes Joel and says that what is going on in Jerusalem at the start of what we call Christianity is exactly what Joel was talking about as the restoration of Israel. So here's the, here's the big thing here, and don't miss this. Christianity, those who trust and follow and give their allegiance to Jesus, the new king of Israel, is the renewed, restored Israel. Okay? And as Paul will remind us all in great detail in Romans chapters 9 through 11, who comprised Israel was never based on blood and DNA. Okay, Paul didn't actually mention DNA. Uh, they didn't know about that then. But being Israel was always based on faith and covenant and not heredity, right? Paul will make that clear in Romans 9 through 11, okay? Paul will say, 
in in Romans chapter eleven, he'll give this beautiful illustration. Um, he'll say that that um, Christianity, the kingdom of God, is is a a cultivated olive tree. Okay, and the root of that olive tree is a Jewish root. And Gentiles are grafted in and sustained by that Jewish root. So there is now one olive tree, Jewish and Gentile, tended by Israel's King Jesus. Okay? So there is, so there is great continuity between what God is doing in Israel in the Old Testament and what he's about to do in the New through Jesus the King. And this idea of the restoration of Israel is a, is a very big deal in understanding all that. So when we come to the New Testament and we come to a passage like Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 32, we need to read that with, a, with this background in mind. So here's what, here's what that passage says. Luke uh, chapter 2, uh, let's see, where is it here? Luke chapter 2, 25. Okay, um, this is the, uh, the, the, the circumcision and, and presentation of baby Jesus, okay? So, Luke chapter 225, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace, as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people, Israel. Okay? So we have this guy named Simeon. And Simeon's not a priest. He's not a Levite. He's not a Pharisee. He is just a regular guy. Okay? A very devout, righteous, regular guy. Um, it, we're told he's righteous and devout. He has the Holy Spirit. And he is looking forward, we're told, to the consolation of Israel. Okay? So that's all this, that's all this restoration of Israel stuff. Okay? Simeon understood that. He knew what he was looking for. Okay? What else do we know about Simeon? Well, we know that it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Okay? So Simeon is, is eagerly anticipating the coming, coming Messiah and the, and the Messianic age that he will inaugurate for, for Israel, okay? And you even see in verse 32 this, this wonderful example of, of the combination of Israel's Messianic destiny and the inclusion of Gentiles, right? In his prayer, he says, the coming of Jesus is a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and a glory to your people Israel, okay? 
And it's not that it's not that Gentiles are coming in and they're going to take the kingdom away from the Jews. It's not that God's going to wash his hands with Israel and um, you know set up this new thing called Christianity. It is that the destiny of Israel is to bring Gentiles in. One kingdom comprised of both Jewish and Gentile followers of Jesus. Israel are once again going to be the, the main participants in the Gentile mission. So God has not forgotten that Israel was to be a light to the nations, as we saw in Isaiah 42 and Isaiah 49. God wanted that back in the Old Testament. God's going to get it in the new. But the Gentile mission isn't the only thing that God is up to in the restored, renewed Israel. It's not just about saving the Gentiles from their sins. Don't forget where we started all this. What's, what's God's end game here? Bringing people into his holy community of love so that they can experience the fullness of life with him and through that, change the world. And with that, we're going to stop today. I want to thank you for joining us. I hope you'll uh, be with us again next week. Uh, we would appreciate, um, as we always do, if you would tell others about the podcast. Uh, if you enjoy the show, please um, subscribe and, and rate us and review us on uh, iTunes or Spotify or wherever you go. Um, looking at the things, the, the numbers, I can see some statistics on all this. Uh, it looks like about 75% of you are going to iTunes uh, to get this, and then it drops way off after that. So um, subscribe, please. Uh, rate, review us uh, on, on uh, those places. Um, stay safe, okay? Um, practice good social distancing and pray, right? God is the superintendent of all this. He, he will work in the midst of this. He will work through this. He will work in spite of this, okay, to accomplish good things. Take care of the people who may not be doing as, as well as you, neighbors or, or relatives or people in close proximity. Be safe, but, but check on people. Check on the vulnerable. Check on the elderly, okay? Thanks for listening. I uh, hope you'll be back, and remember, you are greatly loved.